Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Jordan's Pathway podcast. Jordan's Pathway is the true life story of Jordan, a boy diagnosed with autism. It's a book written by his grandmother, Caroline Frankie, and her friend, Roland Bush Cavell. And I'm your host, Roland Bush Cavell. In this episode, we bring you chapter 16, The Guessing Game. But firstly, a big thank you to all our listeners for joining us. And we do hope that sharing Jordan's pathway is creating a greater understanding of autism and ways of dealing with it. As we near the end of the book on this podcast, we're extremely grateful to all of you who leave us a review on Amazon, where you can find the books in paperback and Kindle versions. And for all our listeners across the globe in every nation who have made this journey so enriching for all of us, sharing it with you is extremely rewarding. This is Jordan's story. Chapter 16, The Guessing Game. Anticipating your child's needs is a game every parent plays. From the very earliest days of caring for a baby that needs constant supervision and attention, through the period when they become a more mobile toddler and then a lively preschooler, right up until their teenage years when different challenges come into play. Throughout their growing years, communication improves and once understanding and reasoning come into play, the need to guess at your child's requirements diminishes, improving as they learn to verbalise their emotions and to varying degrees share their thoughts and feelings with you. For the parent of any autistic child, however, this constant guessing game will never end. For even as your offspring grows into manhood or womanhood, physically becoming adults in their own right, then still the void of communication can remain unfilled. It is only your experience and the level of communication you have managed to achieve with your child that gives you clues as to what they are thinking and feeling. Even with 16 years of experience of familiarisation and learning behind us, some of Jordan's idiosyncrasies and behaviours still remain a total mystery. Parents of autistic children endure the same kind of intense challenges that most parents experience during the battles of the terrible twos, when their children are growing familiar with the world, its rules, possibilities and patterns. However, for the parent of an autistic child, this is not a brief campaign or a battle they can look forward to winning. It is not a short phase, nor a bump in the road of their child's development. From the time of the diagnosis onwards, there is a dawning realisation that the shape of the rest of your life has been set. Rather than a parent with a child and the prospect of eventually living separate lives, you have now been given a new career, one you had not asked for nor wanted. You are now and forevermore a carer and guardian to your child, and you hold that responsibility for the rest of your life. This responsibility will never leave you, as no one is likely to step in and take your place, and neither do you have time in your daily work to contemplate a break from the new schedule of care that has been thrust upon you with the birth of your child. Despite the love you have for them, alongside your absolute loyalty and devotion, comes the kind of burden that some cannot bear, the kind of pain that cuts deeper than any you can imagine, the kind of pressure on your relationships that threatens to tear them in two. When relationships do break down, one of the parents usually then shoulders the responsibility for the child, taking on a 24-hour job while the other goes on to live a life independent of the effects of autism. This is just one of the injustices, the seeming unfairness of the disorder. 
that one person's diagnosis can cut through the reality of so many people around them, turning lives upside down and bringing the entire focus of the family to one point, caring for the autistic child. As a parent, your entire mindset must change to provide the kind of environment that will meet the needs of a child with an autistic diagnosis means you have to be aware of and manage every single element of their existence, from what food they are given and how it is presented, to the programmes that are on television and to what clothes they wear. Ensuring that the meal is the right one for the right time and place, not five minutes too late and not presented in an unfamiliar way, is essential and that you are looking for any sign of an ailment. Even if you do all this, putting all your love, care and attention into your child, the meal you present can, by some autistic children, be thrown across a room, judged unacceptable because you put gravy on the plate, or for some reason you will never identify. No matter what you do, you can never guarantee that what you offer will suit your child. After years, you might still be playing the same guessing game and never knowing if it will ever result in an independent and secure future for your offspring. The earliest years of autism, before your child has developed a level of reasoning and hopefully reached a stage when they can verbalise, are amongst the hardest. It is like having a toddler going through their very worst phase and it can go on for many years. Yet knowing that this intense period will only be replaced by the slowest of developments makes it a test of patience, hope and endurance that sometimes feels like it will never end. Up until the point reason and communication improve, you are prisoner to a routine that must be adhered to. You are the witness to a thousand tantrums, the vigilant guardian between your child and inadvertent harm from an unfamiliar world, the social pariah that bears a thousand stares, the legal counsel and political lobbyist that seeks to gain your child proper schooling, the apologist to shocked bystanders, the explainer of autism, the bearer of the responsibility for their unknown future when you eventually die, the emotional vessel for an entire family's plight, the chef of a thousand identical meals, the repetitive explainer who has to answer the same questions for years on end, the frustrated attempter who cannot explain what it is like for who would believe you, the person who never dare spend a sick day in bed, the isolated recluse who dare not take their child out for days on end, landlord to a child that would stay in for the rest of their lives, first aider to constant self-harm, the nurse to symptoms and ailments that your child cannot name, the holder of a life's ambition unfulfilled because its demands are too great, the beggar who cannot choose what help they receive, the guesser at an uncertain future and the victim of ignorant bias and judgment and the sole bearer of a prayer for a miracle that you fervently pray will someday come, yet seemingly never does. All the while, you may remain completely ignorant of your child's thoughts unable to discuss even the most insignificant and trivial of things unless your child wants something for themselves. With an autistic child, you find yourself unable to meet with friends and even with their willing help, unable to entrust your child to their care because such care needs specialist knowledge and your child's acceptance. I know of parents in these positions who have spent days in isolation because their child will not leave the home and if they do, then mayhem ensues. Their daily routine includes preventing their child from injuring themselves or 
enduring blows as they vent their frustrations. They may spend hours and days asking for help from the authorities, yet be left with scant assistance and only hope to cling to. If they are not lost to anger or despair, then they are left with the empty reality of knowing that their child's life may be limited and their prospects unsure. Sometimes a parent can wish away the days and years, hoping their child will grow up quicker because they cannot cope with the moment. Then they feel the guilt of wishing away their child's early years and years of their own life they won't get back. The safety catch. However, it isn't just your emotional stability that comes under threat from autism. If you ever visit the home of a family with an autistic child, especially the younger ones, you will in all probability see little physical signs as to the nature of their problem reflected in the layout of the home. We are all familiar with the exploratory minds of your average toddler and have probably borne witness to the occasional posting of a sandwich into the DVD player or a mobile phone being delicately dropped into a cup of tea small items in danger of being swallowed, car keys being dropped down the toilet, cupboards being emptied out, books being ripped, or your offspring's artistic endeavours realised in ink on your walls. With an autistic child, you can experience all of these and far more. With Jordan, in one respect, we were lucky because he was initially almost totally disinterested in his outer environment. It made things a lot easier. However, when he went through his early phase of spinning round and round in circles, then we did have to be careful that he did not fall over onto something hard or sharp. Lauren is a different story altogether. She will get into anything she can, pull over anything she is able to, bite whatever will fit into her mouth, yank at furniture until it topples, rip anything she has the strength to, climb whatever she is able to. When angry, you can depend upon her to try and bang her forehead or hit the wall with her hands. We do not know when this behaviour will end. But it means that Lisa's new home now bears witness to Lauren's behaviour. To all intents and purposes, it is the safe house. There are no pictures or mirrors on the walls for fear Lauren will climb a chair and pull them down. Her habit is to swing them as hard as she can until they drop. Then she might decide to bite at the pictures as she did with two portraits I painted of Lauren and Jordan. Initially, as a safeguard, Brian tried screwing mirrors and pictures to the wall, but Lauren is not deterred. If her mirror is held fast, she will pull at it with all her might and then get angry if it does not move. As a consequence, the walls are now predominantly bare and will remain so until Lauren has learned to stop or outgrows these habits. For She has no concept of fear or danger and will pull the heaviest item down on top of herself if the opportunity presents itself. Despite there being a massive toys for Lauren to play with, she much prefers more dangerous and destructive pursuits. Brian soon learned that all the cupboards and shelving units in their home had to be rendered impossible for Lauren to move if she was not to try and pull them over and risk harm. So, Brian has now screwed every single unit to the wall, preventing Lauren from injuring herself or breaking the furniture. On one occasion, when she was being particularly boisterous, Lisa, trying to calm her, took Lauren to her room to see if that would quiet her down. Lisa left her with her toys and a bottle of milk, and thinking that there was nothing that could cause a problem, she quickly ran to the kitchen to make herself a cup of tea. There was soon some very loud banging from Lauren's bedroom. And ever mindful, 
Lisa rushed back upstairs. Pushing at the door, she found it would not move. Something was obviously blocking it. Pushing harder, but mindful that Lauren might be behind it, it would still not budge. Lisa tried again, but to no avail. Something heavy had been put right in front of the door. After a while of pushing and shoving and being careful not to topple whatever was on the other side, Lisa managed to make it into the bedroom, squeezing through a narrow gap. Lauren had evidently been very busy. She had decided to pull out every drawer from her chest of drawers and to pull them out far enough that they blocked her bedroom door. Lisa could hardly believe it. The strength it must have taken to do this was amazing from so small a child. After this worrying incident, Lisa and Brian moved the chest of drawers to prevent it happening again. Brian has suffered Lauren's destructive tendencies and his prized DVD collection now remains securely under lock and key, some of them bearing evidence to Lauren's habit of merrily pulling out the DVDs, biting at them, ripping the covers open and tearing the paper inserts to shreds. Lauren will happily sit for hours tearing up paper and so Brian's pride and joy has to be kept well away from her grasping hands into units that are firmly screwed to the walls against which they stand. Books will easily share the same fate as the DVD collection and will quickly become confetti under Lauren's ministrations. When you enter Lisa and Brian's home, you will notice these small signs. All of the electrical sockets in the wall have been replaced with a type that do not have switches on them, evidence of Lauren's constant habit of playing with the switches. The furniture units are flat against the blank walls, screwed into place. There are no DVDs or books other than those under lock and key. And the laptop has half the buttons missing. Scarred evidence of Lauren quickly sneaking up when Lisa's back is turned and meticulously picking the buttons off one by one as each opportunity presents itself. The settee has no cushions upon it, but most of the time Lauren has a strange obsession with pulling the seat and back cushions off the settee. There is no rhyme or reason to this behaviour. They are not removed so that Lauren can play with them. They are not used for any purpose. It is merely that Lauren has a strong aversion to there being any cushions on it. And Lisa will constantly battle her for them to remain on the settee. It takes a lot of strength to remove all the cushions. And to see Lauren exerting so much effort in removing them can be quite comical. She will be red-faced and breathing heavily, furiously focused on her goal. When her task is complete, Then Lauren will sit on a bare sofa in front of her big pile of cushions, sometimes higher than her head, where she has managed to throw them directly from the sofa. It looks for all the world as though she is a queen commanding her cushion subjects to fall into line, rather than a little autistic girl with a strange obsession. And this behaviour happens virtually every time Lisa leaves the room. The television is now mounted high up on the wall, in an attempt to evade Lauren's habit of continually switching it on and off. However, despite Brian's hard work, it transpires it is not high enough, for Lauren is now tall enough to drag a chair up to the television, climb onto it, and happily engage in button pressing once more. At four years old, Lauren is very tall for her age. The physical signs don't merely appear at home. Recently, I met Lisa and Lauren and was taken aback at just how many holes she had bitten in her new winter coat. On the walks to and from school, she will gnaw at her clothes whenever she is able. Lauren had managed to bite holes in the front and lapels, making it look as though some deranged moth had decided to attack her clothes. Anything she wears, dresses, t-shirts, and the paper from the nappies she sadly still has to wear will be torn apart, chewed, ripped, and thrown everywhere. 
Today, we see small signs of this habit abating, but none of us are holding our breath. I believe that the action of chewing provides Lauren with the same comfort Jordan derived from his dummy, and Lauren's new coat now hangs in the cupboard, the old one discarded. Biting doesn't stop with clothes. Much of the furniture in Lisa's home has a subtle motif around the edges, where Lauren continuously bites at any edge she can find. All of these subtle signs are a reminder to me just how seemingly impossible it is to change the behaviours of an autistic child. That is, until they are ready and able to do so. While we try to assist, to encourage and to constantly repeat, we are now effectively in Lauren's hands until she is ready to change. A world of hope. An autistic child's life is a lesson. Even as adults, we can spend our entire lives reacting in ways that are not sane. We confront everyday situations with unnecessary frustration. Even though we will encounter them time and time again, showing that we live our lives with a very basic misunderstanding of what approach works best. How many of us become angry at traffic queues and waiting in supermarkets and allow these small things to spoil our days? So it is not that we are sane and autistic children are odd. They can, in many ways, show us the strangeness of our own ways. One lesson an autistic child teaches us is to hammer home uncompromisingly that patience can often be the only way forwards, lest we become lost to negative feelings of frustration and anger. Another valuable lesson is that they may not initially reflect our love. And through witnessing this complete absence of response is to appreciate how difficult it is to get a child of this nature to respond with a hug or any display of affection. It feels like you are here to serve this child with no emotional reward at all. And the heart-wrenching effects show us just how important love and affection are in our lives. Hope is where the heart is. In writing this book, I wanted to bring a message to the world, to shed light on the plight of autistic children and their parents everywhere. I wanted to bring insight into the world of autism and illuminate the emotional hardships that the families endure. In doing so, I realised just how hard it might seem for those parents whose autistic children have just recently been born into their lives and how steep the mountain is that they have yet to climb. While we all know how tough life is for parents of autistic children, for the children themselves and their wider families, this isn't the whole story. I want to say one thing loud and clear. There is hope. There is a future for your child and they will develop. They will experience life and they will progress in the way they are able. But they show us that love does not depend on what the other person does for us. It does not depend on the career they are able to grow for themselves or the power and wealth they amass. Autistic children show us that it is what we are able to share despite life's adversities, despite our own limitations, that is of the ultimate importance. Every parent knows the joy of watching their child take their first step, of witnessing their moments of unbridled happiness. These moments exist for parents of autistic children too. And eventually your child will grow and prosper, despite their unending need for attention and care. It is, in fact, this very same need that draws you into such a close relationship with your child. 
It is all too easy to hear an autistic child's voice when they are frustrated with the isolation their autism lays upon them. Yet they also bring us a message, letting us know that our inner selves are the most important part of us, telling us that we may take pride in our children no matter what their potential. Their message is that each of us has a huge capacity for patience, if we choose to develop it. That if we look beyond the obvious, we will find reasons for every strange behaviour. And that when we take this viewpoint, we can develop seemingly limitless depths of understanding. Merely because we have chosen to look for the cause rather than react to the behaviour. With understanding, we lay a fertile ground for love. Unearthing the limitless capacity that lies buried within us. Autistic children help us to look above competitive rivalries while they themselves rarely think about how others view them. No longer is our child in a race to be better than all other children in their group, but rather we are thankful for each new discovery they make. This seeming defencelessness, this inability to stick up for themselves, also shows us the strength we might find in standing up for our children, fighting for their rights as much as we are willing to take up their cause. Perhaps the most exciting news is that Jordan just recently sat his very first school examination. His tutor decided to put him forward, along with other members of his class, to be assessed in land-based studies, the study of plants and animals. Yes, this is the most basic of exams by our usual standards. Yet when I look back to all those years ago when he was a little boy turning in circles, and making the weirdest of noises, the boy who looked as though he would never even speak, let alone write, my heart could burst with pride. But even his newfound status as a beginner at botany didn't seem to influence Jordan when he visited the famous Hampton Court Flower Show this year. When he returned home, I was expecting some description of the wonderful flowers, but when I asked him what he saw, the reply came promptly back, dandelions. And I couldn't get another word out of him. Jordan has now passed his land-based studies exam with flying colours, gaining a B grade. A very exciting development, as sitting an exam, let alone passing one, is something we never envisaged Jordan attaining in his lifetime. So there is hope. Regardless of what interventions and medical changes happen in the world, an autistic child brings one of the hardest lessons of all how we can love someone who is born with a limited capacity to demonstrate their own feelings, who might, as a consequence, only offer us the merest glimpse of affection in their formative years. An autistic child shows us how to love despite our own faults and failings. To cherish a child that may be walled off from us, they help us to become better versions of ourselves, help us see beyond the obvious, and as a consequence, take our own pathway to a more enlightened future, one where we have all grown stronger. If I have one hope for this book, other than to help those whose lives are directly affected by autism, it is that those who do not have autism in their families will take up the message too, and help stand up for autistic children and their families. For in standing up for those who cannot help themselves, we all have a chance of becoming better people as a result. There lies much of the hope for autistic children. Not that they will change, but that the world will. 
This concludes episode 16 of Jordan's Pathway, the true life story of one boy's journey with autism. Listen out for our next podcast episode, where we bring you chapter 17, discovering what works for your autistic child. And if you're enjoying Jordan's Pathway, please find us on Amazon, where the full version of the book is available in Kindle or paperback, delivered straight to your door. In the meantime, this is your host, Roland Bushcavell, wishing you a very good pathway.